0: Hi, I'm Joe. These are audio versions of the essays on my website, joecarlsmith.com, and today I'm reading Does AI Risk Other the AIs? This essay is part of a series of essays that I'm calling Otherness and Control in the Age of AGI. I've also written an introductory piece with that title that gives a brief summary of the essays that have been released thus far, but I'm hoping that the individual essays can be read fairly well on their own. In my last essay, I discussed the way in which what I've called, quote, deep atheism, that is, a fundamental mistrust towards both, quote, nature and, quote, bare intelligence, can prompt an aspiration to exert extreme levels of control over the universe. I highlighted the sense in which both humans and AIs on Yudkowsky's AI risk narrative are animated by this sort of aspiration, and I discussed some ways in which our civilization has built up wariness around control-seeking of this kind. I think we should be taking this sort of wariness quite seriously. In this spirit, I want to look in this essay at Robin Hansen's critique of the AI risk discourse, a critique especially attuned to the way in which this discourse risks control gone wrong. In particular, I'm interested in Hansen's accusation that AI risk quote others the AIs. See, e.g., here, here, and here, and I give three links in the post. And here I quote Hansen, quote, "...hearing the claim that AIs may eventually differ greatly from us and become very capable," and that this could possibly happen fast, tends to invoke our general fear of difference heuristic, making us afraid of these, quote, others and wanting to control them somehow. Hate and intolerance aren't overly strong terms for this attitude, end quote. Hansen sees this vice as core to the disagreement. Another quote from him, my best one-factor model to explain opinion variance here is some of us, quote, other the AIs more. And he invokes a deep lineage of liberal ideals in opposition. I think he's right to notice attention in this vicinity. AI risk is indeed about fearing some sort of uncontrolled other. But is that always the bad sort of othering? Section 1. Some basic points up front. Well, let's at least avoid basic mistakes slash misunderstandings. For one, hardcore AI risk folks like Yudkowsky are generally happy to care about AI welfare, at least if welfare means something like, quote, happy sentience. And pace some of Hansen's accusations of biochauvinism, these folks are extremely not fussed about the fact that AI minds are made of silicon. Indeed, come now. Of course, this isn't to say that AI welfare and AI rights issues don't get complicated, see e.g. here and here for a glimpse of complications, or that humanity as a whole will get the, quote, digital minds matter stuff right. Indeed, I worry we will get it horribly wrong, and I do think that the AI risk discourse underattends to some of the tensions— But speciesism 101, 201, e.g., I don't care about digital suffering, isn't AI risk's vice. For two, clearly some sorts of otherness warrant some sorts of fear. For example, maybe you personally don't like to murder, but Bob, well, Bob is different. If Bob gets a bunch of power, then yep, it's okay to hold your babies close. And often okay, too, to try to, quote, control Bob into not killing your babies. CF also the discussion of getting eaten by bears in the first essay. And the Nazis, too, were different in their own way. Of course, there's a long and ongoing history of mistaking different for, quote, the type of different that wants to kill your babies. We should indeed be very wary. But liberal tolerance has never been a blank check. And not all fear is hatred. Indeed, many attempts to diagnose the ethical mistake behind various canonical difference-related vices, racism, sexism, speciesism, etc., reveal a certain shallowness of commitment to difference per se. In particular, such vices are often understood as missing some underlying sameness. For example, common humanity, persons, sentient beings, children of the universe, and so forth. And calls for social harmony often recapitulate this structure. We might be different in X ways, but watch for the butt, we have blah in common. This isn't to say that ethical commitment to a less adulterated difference per se is impossible, but one wants, generally, a story about why it's okay to eat apples but not babies, why Furby's program to say Biden shouldn't get the vote, and why you can own a laptop but not a slave. And such a story requires differences. The apple, the Furby, the laptop must be, importantly, other relative to, e.g., human adults— They must be outside some circle. Ethics is always drawing lines. Section 2. What exactly is Hansen's critique? With these basics in mind, then, what exactly is Hansen's othering the AI's critique? It has many facets, but here's one attempt at reconstruction. Premise 1. People worried about AI risk are much more scared of future AIs than future humans because they think that A. AIs are more likely to do stuff like murder all the humans, overthrow the government, and violate property rights. And B, AIs are more likely to have values pursuit, values pursuit of which will result in a roughly zero-value future more generally. Premise 2, but in fact, neither of these things are true. Premise 3, so, greater fear of future AIs relative to future humans is best understood as a kind of arbitrary in-group partiality, i.e., othering the AIs. Clearly, Two is where the action is here. Whence such a departure from Nikowski's nightmare? We can divide Hansen's justification into two components. The first argues that future AIs will be more similar to us than the AI risk story suggests. The second argues that future humans, by default, will be more different. Section three Will the AIs be more similar to us than AI risk expects? Let's start with AIs will be more similar to us than AI risk expects. Above, I mentioned propensity to murder as a classic form of otherness that is okay to fear slash control, and we often put violating property rights and overthrowing the government in a similar bucket. Presumably, Hansen is not okay with AIs doing this stuff, but he doesn't think they will, or at least not more than humans will. And why not? It's some combination of, one, AIs would be designed and evolved to think and act roughly like humans in order to fit smoothly into our many roughly human-shaped social roles, and two... Like humans, they'll be constrained by legal and social incentives. And even setting aside violence, Hansen generally appeals to one in response to objections like, so, are you actually fine with future agents tiling the universe with paperclips? The AI values, says Hansen, won't be that alien. Big if true. But is it true? I won't dive in much here, except to say that this aspect of Hansen's story generally strikes me as under-argued. In particular, I think Hansen moves too quickly from, quote, the AIs will be trained to fit into the human economy to the AIs will have values relevantly similar to human values and that he takes too much for granted that legal and social incentives protecting humans from being murdered slash violently disempowered will continue to bind adequately if the AIs have most of the hard power. In this, I think, his argument for two misses a lot of the core doom concern. Section 4. Will future humans be more different from us than AI risk expects? But I think that the other aspect of his argument for two, namely, future humans will be more different from us than AI risk expects, is more interesting. Here, Hansen's basic move is to question the, quote, alignment of the default human future, even absent AI. That is, human values have changed dramatically over time, and not, argues Hansen, centrally in response to a process of rational reflection, but rather in response to other sorts of competition, contingency, and economic slash social slash technological change, and even absent AIs, we should expect this process to only continue and intensify, such that humans 10 generations from now, or after 10 doublings of GDP, or whatever, would have values very different from our own, and not from having done more philosophy. Now, we can debate the empirics of past and future here, though what processes of values change we endorse as, quote, rational, may not be entirely empirical. Indeed, I think Hansen may be overestimating how horrified the ancient Greeks or the hunter-gatherers would be on reflection by the values of the present-day world, and this even setting aside our material abundance. And I might disagree, too, about exactly how different the values of future humans would be, given various possible, quote, futures without AI, though it's not an especially clear-cut category. Still, I think Hansen is poking at something important and uncomfortable. In particular, suppose we grant him the empirics, Suppose, indeed, that even without AI, the default values of future humans would, quote, drift until they were as paper clippers relative to us, such that the world they create would be utterly value- valueless from our perspective. What follows? Well, um, if you care about the future having value, then what follows is a need to exert more control, more yang. It is indeed the good future part of the alignment problem all over again though not the not-kill-everyone part. Of course, trying to make sure that future humans aren't paper clippers doesn't mean locking in your specific object-level values right now. You still want to leave room for moral progress you'd endorse on reflection. Nor, pace some of Hansen's language, does it mean brainwashing or lobotomizing the future people. If a boulder is rolling towards a button that will create Sally, a paper clipper, and you divert it towards a button that will create Bill, a deontologist, you're not brainwashing or lobotomizing Sally, Confusions in this vein are a classic issue for reasoning about your impact on future people, and Hansen's analysis is not immune. More on this in a later essay. Still, though, are you playing too much God? Or too Stalin? Who are you to divert nature's boulder, that oh-so-defined default? And Sally, at least, is pissed. Indeed, Hansen reminds us, aren't we glad that the ancient Greeks didn't try to divert the future to replace us with people more like them? Well, who knows how much they tried. But good thing they didn't succeed. Though, wait, how much did they succeed? But the question, or at least the first pass question, isn't whether we're glad that the Greeks didn't control our values on reflection to be more Greek. Indeed, basically everyone who gets created with some set of values on reflection is glad that the process that created them didn't push towards agents with different values instead. If In some horrible mistake, we set in motion a future filled with suffering maximizers. They, too, will be glad we didn't control the values of the future more, because this would have led to a future with less suffering. But from our perspective, it's not a good test. Rather, the first past test, re-lessons from the ancient Greeks about controlling future values, is whether the Greeks would be glad, on reflection, that they didn't make our values more Greek. And one traditional answer here is yes— If we could sit down with Aristotle and explain to him why, actually, slavery is wrong, and that no one is by nature someone else's property, then our hearts and his would sing in harmony. That is, on this story, if Aristotle had somehow prevented future people from abolishing slavery, then he would have been making a mistake by his own lights, preventing the flower he loves from blooming via the march of reason in history's hand. But this isn't the central story Hansen wants to tell. Rather, when Hansen talks about values changing over time, he specifically wants to deny that reason has much to do with it. That is, it sounds a lot like Hansen wants to say both that the ancient Greeks would be horrified, even on reflection, by our values, and that we should take our cues from the ancient Greeks in deciding how much control to try to exert over the values of future people. And at a high level, this sounds like a recipe for, well, being horrified even on reflection by the values of future people. Remind me why that's good again? Indeed, on any meta ethics where the normative truth would be revealed to our reflection, we just stipulated that it's horrifying. Now, we might try to construct Hansen's story in other more complicated ways, see E.G. here for one attempt. But I want to stay for now with the dialectic that this version of his view creates, which I think is plenty interesting. In particular, on the one hand, we just stipulated that absent control, the values of future humans would be horrifying slash meaningless to us, even on reflection and full understanding. On the other hand, some sort of discomfort in trying to control the values of future humans persists, at least for me. I think Hansen is right to notice it, and to notice, too, its connection to try to trying to control the values of the AIs. I think the AI alignment discourse should, in fact, prompt this discomfort, and that we should be serious about understanding and avoiding the sort of yang gone wrong that it's trying to track. Indeed, I think that when we bring certain other Yudkowskian vibes into view— And in particular, vibes related to the, quote, fragility of value, quote, extremal good heart, and, quote, the tails come apart. This discomfort should deepen yet further. I'll turn to this in the next essay.